Well, hello, this is the Trophy Room, aka Trophy Room Radio. I am your host, Brett Hammer, wherever you are on this Wednesday. Thanks for making me part of your day. Coming up, we're talking about the worry level on Bryce Young. We're reacting to the AP Top 25, and what record did Deion Sanders just absolutely shellap? That is all coming up. But as you all know, it is way too hard to buy quality graphic tees these days. You look it up and all you get is sketchy third-party products on Etsy and eBay, and none of it's real. Game Changer has been throwing a wrench into all of that. High-end, really quality shirts, NFL, NBA, rappers, musicians, Taylor Swift, TV shows, movies, all of it. They got it. Head over to GameChanger.LA. You can use my promo code, capital H, Hammer Time 23 for $10 off. That's capital H. Hammer Time 23, $10 off your entire order. They just posted a Dion shirt, which is pretty cool. I don't know if I'll get it, because um, I feel like Dion might end up being like, I don't want to say Aaron Rodgers in New York, but certainly Joe Montana in Kansas City, where it's one of those smaller things that we remember, but there wasn't a significant impact or there weren't big enough storylines while it was there that it makes it worth it to buy the shirt. I don't know. It could be cool. Whatever you think. I like Dion. I think he's dope. I think he's incredible for the sport of football, especially the sport of college football. I think he's made college football more relevant than it's ever been in the last 10 to 15 years as the NFL has taken over. Um, but let's... Let's hop into things real quick. I honestly didn't know that I was going to be able to get this cranked out today. Uh, yesterday was crazy, and then last night was crazy, and then this morning has been crazy. And so I'm trying to literally finish this before I hop in my car and drive down to school. So we will see how this goes. This may be a shorter one than usual today, but this will be how it just, what is it, by uh, Florida Georgia Line and BB Rex. If it's meant to be, it'll be. Yeah, you didn't know you were going to get me hitting the high notes this morning, but I am. Shout out to all of you. Um, I have gotten more messages about, hey, we want college football first. Perfect. I love that. That I appreciate knowing what you guys want to hear about and what you guys like. I mean, I'm going to talk about whatever I want to talk about, but also it helps me steer into a better lane of how it can better entertain you guys on a Monday and Wednesday morning. Um, I do want to get to this first, though, because... Coming into last year's NFL draft, there was a lot of hype, a lot of hoopla about how good of an NFL draft class at quarterback this was. Because what we thought was Bryce Young, one of the most elite talent we've ever seen at the University of Alabama. And then CJ Stroud, we know what that brother brings to the game. And then... We never expected Anthony Richardson. At least I didn't. I expected him to be good. I didn't expect him to be this good. I mean, uh, he's left two games injured now, which is a little worrisome, but uh, having a pretty pretty decent season as far as rushing and, and passing goes combined. Not turning over the football too crazy. In a division that I actually think is pretty decent. So, Anthony Richardson to me has outperformed what we thought he would be. Will Levis, we never will probably ever know what he will be. But the one I want to talk about is Bryce Young. 
because I think we thought Bryce Young was the only sure thing in the entire NFL draft because of what he was able to do at Alabama, how fast he was able to process information, the deficit of his size juxtaposed to how big an NFL ready these defensive linemen and these linebackers are. These guys who are coming to eat your lunch and then toss you like a rag doll. Bryce Young seemed to be able to outperform and outmaneuver all of them. So my thought process, Bryce Young going into the NFL was, well, it, 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 his size will not be a drawback. He'll be able to do just as much as he wants to do in the NFL because the SEC is probably one of the, if not the most pro-ready league in college football. And I'm not sure that that's been the case. I think we may not whiff on Bryce Young because I have no hopes that he's a bust. And I don't know that we've seen enough to call him a bust. But I do think it's interesting. Um, Tom Brady was really not elite at anything. Other than, not to say that he wasn't good, not to say that he wasn't serviceable. But the, the one thing I would argue that Tom Brady was elite at was mentality. And the mental part of the game. Where he studied harder than anyone else. Because he had to. And frankly he was angrier and fired up. More than anybody else. Because he had to be. Because he didn't have the Michael Vick speed. He he didn't worry about what he didn't have. He maximized what he did have. And with Bryce Young my thing always was. I'm not worried about how big. How fast how small he is because it seems to me that Bryce Young is able to process information at a higher level than most NFL quarterbacks or not at better than most college quarterbacks. I remember than seeing the decision-making the running up to the line, tucking it like you were about to go. And then out of the right corner of your eye, just pitching it to um, Brian Robinson, the running back when he was there, just, he was so creative creative is I think a word we overuse and with Bryce Young he was uber creative uber talented in the membrane the things that I saw him do it just was so frustrating um how he was able to come back against Auburn uh last year so I thought when Bryce Young gets to the NFL he's not gonna have too big of an issue to overcome because this guy now knows how to flip it and rip it and knows how to read defenses and is able to process information at a Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes-like level and make decisions at the same speed. And I'm a little worried about this kid. Again, there's people who are worse off than Bryce Young because to his credit, it's not like he's already thrown six picks. He has two. Quarterback rating's not great. But against the Saints, he did complete 66.7% of his passes. Passed for 153 yards, one touchdown, no picks. So, the downside is certainly not blasting itself to the entire universe. However, when you go number one overall, we get to scrutinize you. Right? Like, I was watching... Uh, Jaden was watching this video of this girl on the internet yesterday and she was talking about how she didn't appreciate 
the people in her comments, the, it was this teacher and she was, I don't know. People were basically giving her rude comments online. And my comment to her, to Jaden about this TikToker was, okay, that's fine. But if you want to work in a position where your art, your work is shown to however many people, you don't get to complain about people coming at you and people criticizing you. Again, people on the internet, you'll never win because those people, for the most part, will always be stupid because they don't have the ability to have a conversation with someone in a real life situation, so they just do it on the internet. But my point to her was, if you're going to be in that position, then people get to criticize you. If you go number one overall and you struggle and you're not the elite playmaker and frankly look like a deer in the headlights when you're trying to understand defense and it doesn't really look like you know how to read everything, we get to be critical. Again, two games in, not saying the kid's a bust, not saying he's not elite. I'm just saying with Bryce Young, my whole deal was I always thought this kid would be more elite at reading defenses than anybody else. He has not been elite in terms out of in terms of the motor and the membrane. All right, react to the AP Top 25. So let me just uh, rattle it off to you if you don't know. So what's funny is the usual suspects. However, the usual suspects winning in weird ways. And we've really seen everybody have a suspect game or a weird flaw this season. So you had Georgia, went into half this last week, down, comes back, puts up 30 points in the second half. They're still 3-0. Michigan, number two, without Jim Harbaugh for the first few games, looked fine. Texas at three, struggles with Wyoming for way too long. Florida State at four, struggled with Boston College for way too long. USC, still never convinced they know how to play defense. Ohio State, they're going to go to South Bend, play Notre Dame this weekend. That's going to be a lot of fun. Penn State is going to be up for a defensive test with Iowa. We're going to see how the offense, uh, whether or not Drew Adler is able to rip through this uh, Hawkeye crew. Washington at 8. Um, Michael Penix is very clearly showing you, I believe I'm the best quarterback in the Pac-12 and maybe the whole country. Love watching Michael Penix. And then Notre Dame, we told you, number 9. They're going to go play Ohio State. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see how Notre Dame plays because the schedule's been a little suspect so far. But again, you play who you play. 10 is Oregon. They are going to take on Colorado. So we already have some great matchups brewing as we get ready for Saturday. 11 is Utah. 12, LSU. 13, here's the fun one, Alabama. They dropped three spots in the AP rankings this week. And look... Folks, Alabama and Georgia used to be very similar. They used to be, we go get you Derrick Henry, we go get you Todd Gurley, we get you Mark Ingram, and we run the rock. And then college football shifted, and the game of football really shifted, and and the Derrick Henry could no longer be the only thing that carried you. You needed a quarterback that, if necessary, could get you out of tough spots. So, they mixed up the game a little bit and they focused less on getting Derrick Henry every year and more on, let's get better quarterbacks. And they got Bryce Young. 
But the problem is, in NIL and transfer era of college football, it's hard to keep nine five-stars as backup quarterbacks because they say, if I'm not going to play, then I'm going to leave. And so now you're seeing an Alabama without a quarterback. You're seeing kids say, wait a minute, I can be successful if I don't play at Alabama. And Alabama is starting to really struggle. Folks, this is what Alabama looks like when they're not good. Again, still 13, still probably could beat Oregon State, uh, Duke, maybe Colorado. But either way, this is what Alabama looks like when they're not good. And uh, as someone who grew up having Alabama ruin their entire childhood, I can tell you I'm not upset about it. And then the rest of it goes as follows. Oregon State 14, Ole Miss 15, Oklahoma 16, North Carolina 17, Duke 18, 19, Colorado 20, Florida 21, Washington State, UCLA 22, 23, Tennessee, 24, Iowa, and 25, Florida. So, shout-outs this week. Let's give a shout-out to the ACC and the Pac-12. Both conferences seemingly falling apart. ACC a little less, but Pac-12 certainly more. And both teams showing up big in the AP Top 25 rankings. Um, Folks, Deion Sanders may be the greatest sports story of all time. I don't know how many of you watched Colorado, Colorado State on Saturday, but I know the answer is more than there should be. Um, ESPN's broadcast of Colorado, Colorado State was one of the most watched ever in history. It was 2.15 Eastern when that game was winding down. 8.3 million. That, folks, is pretty close to the number that Fox put up when TCU played. TCU and Nebraska played Colorado at noon, at at ten Mountain, at nine at nine West Coast time, when there no one had anything else to do. Um, so this is a quote from SportsIllustrated.com: In three Monday Night Football games. There have been a total audience of 21.8 million, which is less than the 25.3 million who have watched Colorado wins this season. Colorado, when we instead of saying something is must-see TV, we should get rid of must-see TV and we should just change it to, oh yeah, that's Deion Sanders. Yeah, that's Deion Sanders. Yeah, did you watch that game last night? That's so, that thing was so Deion Sanders. You watch America's Got Talent the other night? That thing was so Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders has become must-see television. Because I told you on Monday, you and I have never in our lives ever watched the Colorado-Colorado State game. Let alone three straight weeks of Colorado football. Are you joking me? You haven't watched it. I haven't watched it. And yet... De- uh, Deion Sanders has somehow found a way to maximize this whole... I mean, he, Dwayne The Rock Johnson was on College Game Day and the Pat McAfee Show in Boulder. And I get that uh, SmackDown was in Denver, but still. <laughs> Pat McAfee said he's been trying for a year and a half now to get Dwayne The Rock Johnson on the show. And he's got this... He's got the connection. 
but it wasn't until Dion showed up in Colorado that The Rock came and hung out with ESPN. All right, we got two quick stories, and then I got to get out of here. Brandon Staley is on the hot seat. He was recently asked if the loss against the Jacksonville Jaguars in the playoffs last year had anything to do with his team's slow start this year. This is what he said, quote, um, I'm not worried about the Jacksonville loss. The Jacksonville loss hasn't carried into the season whatsoever. If you've seen our training camp or you've seen the way that we've played in the first two games, which you're 0-2, it hasn't had an impact on our team whatsoever. Our team is connected. Our team has played its heart out in two games, and we've lost two tough games. It has nothing to do with the Jacksonville game. And if you ask anyone in our locker room, it has nothing to do with the Jacksonville game. So I don't know why he felt the need to repeat that, but... Uh, he, he went on to say, it's a convenient storyline for you and everybody else, but it's not the truth. We lost two games, but the guys in that locker room, the men in that locker room, they are finishers and they have what it takes and we're excited to prove ourselves. So just because one thing is true doesn't mean the entire thing is true. Here's what I mean by that. It is true that you've lost two tough games. The men in that locker room, they are finishers, and they do have what it takes, and they are excited to prove themselves. However, I can't remember, and you you tell me if I'm wrong, but I can't remember a team with this much talent being this underwhelming. And what's funny is I actually think the offense has gotten better. Or this is just what they look like when they're healthy. But either way, I think they've looked better now than Justin Herbert looked against the Chiefs last year on Sunday Night Football, wouldn't you agree? And I would argue the roster is pretty similar. I think Kellen Moore is the difference maker in L.A. The problem is Brandon Staley still can't coach defense. He's just, he's not a head coach guy. Look, there are some people who are really great at their jobs. Take Moneyball, for example. Let's go to Moneyball. You have Billy Bean and you have whoever Jonah Hill plays. Jonah Hill's character is smarter, way more intelligent than Billy Bean. However, Jonah Hill's character is not the salesman. He's not the leader. He's not the guy you invest in. Billy Bean was. Brad Pitt was. There are plenty of guys who are elite at what they do, but they are not born to lead and you would not follow them into battle. And I think this is the case with the Chargers. I think Brandon Taylor's smart, but I think he's gotten so he's gotten so into trying to prove to everyone that he's better than what they think that he is that he's forgotten what made him great at coaching, whereas I think Mike McDaniel's is the complete opposite. I think Mike McDaniel's stayed who he was the entire time. He said, if you want to follow me, awesome. If not, we're going to win football games anyway. But because he's himself, I think people buy into that authenticity. Whereas I think with Brandon Staley, the authenticity has left the building because the whole time he is trying to convince everyone that he is who he says he is and in that process has lost himself. Last story before we get out of here, Deshaun Watson. There's people sitting around. They want to tell you the Deshaun Watson deal is the worst deal maybe ever made in the history of professional sports. And I want to push back on that. But it's really hard. 
I like Deshaun Watson. I think, um, I don't think this word should make anyone uncomfortable. I, I think there's a chance he may have some kind of sex addiction. Um, I have uh, my ideas on what happened as far as the massage therapy goes, but I'll keep those to myself. The point being, I mean, look, when you're not happy, you don't tend to play well. You don't tend to be your best self. You're not successful. So there's part number one. Part number two. Is it the best, the worst deal ever? Uh, maybe. But I don't know that that's necessarily Deshaun's fault. I mean, even if you're not worth $50 million, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be morally objected to somebody paying you $50 million a year. I think the problem here is, I mean, we all have that friend who is always desperate to be in a relationship. They're always telling you, oh my gosh, I am in love with this girl. Oh my gosh, I'm in love with this guy. Oh my gosh, I, I, I'm in, and, and every day it's a different guy. It's a different girl. And I mean, justifiably so, the Cleveland Browns went through maybe not an abusive relationship with quarterbacks, but they just couldn't keep it straight. It was up and down, up and, well, sorry, not any up and down. It was just downs. And at some point they said, he's a seven. He's, well, actually he's an eight or a nine, but he has so many red flags, but you know what? I can, I can change him. You hear that? You ever hear that before? I can change her. I can change him. Uh, red flag. If you ever hear anyone say that, gone. Deshaun Watson, great Great quarterback when he was in Houston. I'm actually not ready to jump off the train as much as everybody else is. I still think Deshaun's got it. I I I'm I just think the offensive line was really bad Monday night. I think it's clear that he's had a couple years off from football. And I also think losing your number one running back, who for the most part has been your entire offense, doesn't help either. So I'm not ready to hop off the Deshaun Watson train. I saw flashes and I actually don't think he played as bad of a game as everyone wants to blame him for. So let's let's just pump the brakes on Deshaun and see how this thing keeps on rolling. Guys, thank you so much for hanging out. I appreciate you reaching out, topping James Changers, being here with me for the whole ride. Have an enjoyable, wonderful rest of your Wednesday and we will talk soon. Cheers. Ooh.